Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Sitting up there, Jack. I'm there for the pack out. You just got to pack me in. Committed to the bow early on. Like, I love getting close and putting up. You cover a range of stuff on here, too, right? Like, we call this the uh, the THP World Headquarters. You know, my grandpa Roy Weatherby. I came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls. Just... You're Canadian? We're doing yeah, a Canadian I... podcast. My name's Douglas Bowes. I'm Robbie Denning. Royal Candy. It's a little better. I think it's your room. You notice how you're in a corner now? No, I'm actually not. I'm in the front of the room. It's just showing in the back. Oh, okay. Could just be your room. You don't have enough stuff in that room. Not yet. I'll have more later. Renos are going to start soon. So once I'm done killing shit, I got to start killing shit. Fuck's sake. Uh, it'll happen. Hold on. Hold on. There we go. Oh. But I'm still in a fantastic mood. You want to know why, Kevin? Hit me. As of nine something this morning, while Evie and I were out in the bush hunting, we became empty nesters. <laughs> That's right. It's official, eh? My, For a little I bit, love, anyway. Oh, yeah. I love my, my, my children dearly. But oh, my God. It's amazing. It's called Freedom 44. <laughs> yeah, I didn't drink to that. Hold on. You got to drink to something. How? Oh, oh man. man. Freedom 44. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's dude, cool. I'm thinking like, I got a long way to go till I'll be like Freedom 54. That's not terrible, though. It's just not as good as 44. No, it's not. I gave because... up my I gave up my twenties. Is what I gave up, literally. So yeah, it's give and take either end. It depends on what you got done in your twenties. I kind of like the way that we did it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd change anything, but there's definitely a lot of years that I probably could have done a little bit more in my twenties. I mean, I always did. A lot, but I also did a lot of other stuff that I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I hear you there. No, it's all good. You can't change anything, so you just make the best of what you got. Yeah. So what's yeah. going on, man? What's going on with that moose draw? Oh. Let it fill us in. Frustration, frustration, frustration. Those bastards, they're they're hide-and-go-seek champs right now. 
Um, everything's disappeared, hunkered down. Not besides today. Um, I finally cut some tracks today that were, I'd say, less than 12 hours old. They're pretty fresh. Um, got into those through another area because the way they entered the woods was they came from up, I'm not going to say up high, but definitely mid-level. And they dropped down to where I was working during the rut. And anyway, circled around, uh, used some Onyx and uh, found a spot where it was looked like it opened up. And I was like, that's where they're headed. If, if anywhere, that's where they're headed. Sure, shit, we went around and hiked in and I cut tracks again within, I'd say, 150 yards of the road. We're in it and coming from the direction that we saw them up on the other access road. So followed those and found myself a little oasis, tons of food. There's a creek, main creek coming right through the area. Uh, doesn't look like anybody's going in there. Funniest thing is there's a moose camp. There's Less than like 200 yards that, away. Oh yeah. These guys, guys have been out there for two, three. With the draw? Yeah, two, yeah with a the draw. These guys have been out. They got maybe four or five vehicles out there. So they got a big crew searching. And I found a, well, there's, there's gotta be, there's definitely a big bull a cow i'm suspecting a calf possibly a second cow um i found so much shit in that area today that was all from last night or earlier in the morning and uh beds and it's 200 yards away from these guys camp <laughs> which just makes me crack up and i mean no fault to their own these guys are pounding ground like i've i've you know i can see their vehicles all around and they're not just driving they're hiking and everything too and I was just like, well, I'm just following the fresh tracks. I don't really care what common sense tells you. Common sense would tell me not to go in there, but that's where they are. So, or that's where this little group is anyway, but the roads are freaking getting pretty bad out there. We just got like, we've had a bit of snow and the rain has come in. So a lot of those roads are turning into sheer sheets of ice. Right. And, uh, so it's kind of, we're still getting up most of them, but there's some that are out of the question now, as far as I'm concerned, because it's not worth it. So we'll see. Tomorrow I'm going to head out, switched up my plans a little bit. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to hunt mule deer in the morning. And then I'm going to head out to that spot in the afternoon because we, we haven't really been hammering it in the, in the later part of the day. Like we're out there, but boots to the ground in this area that I found, um, and try walking in there when it gets a little nicer out. Hopefully they're up feeding and kind of moving around in there. That's kind of my goal. It's just to cut some more fresh tracks and try to try to put two and two together in there. So yeah, you just area. gotta stick with it. it. It'll is. happen. Yeah. So and when does that draw end again? Next week, November 15th. So, so I have this week off. Today, uh, 10 days. Yeah. I have this upcoming week off. Um, but I'm not giving it all toward moose. Um, I do want to do a bunch of muley hunting with my bow. And as much as I want my moose, I don't want to give up some fun hunting as well. Like that, I got, I got to enjoy myself because I'm just getting frustrated out there. And I know I can get into some mule deer. So whether I find a legal one or not, we'll soon find out. But uh, I got to, I got to chase something. I got, I got to pull the bow back. I can't just keep hoping for tracks and a body to go with them <laughs> when it comes to the moose. So we'll see. 
Yeah, you just gotta keep plugging away, man. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, but how about yours? You've uh, man, just I believe it. Dave Campbell, he put a post out there on one of your uh, pictures there, and I agree with him. I think you should have to go help blindfold it into the bush next year. <laughs> give the damn animals a chance. Uh, why don't you give us a little rundown of what's happened? Because, dude, like, insane. Yeah, I mean, I don't... It's hard. I mean, I, I don't really feel like I'm... I mean, I don't feel like I'm having any better season than I've had in the past. I mean, I mean, there's still lots of hunting left to do. I mean, you know, bear, I'd like to get a fall bear. Uh, I never gotten a fall bear before. Uh, there's still whitetail. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely happy that I was able to punch tags. I mean, it's not, especially here in Canada. I mean, it's very rare when you can punch two elk tags in a season. Right. Um, so, you know, I was blessed to be able to go to Alberta and hunt and, um, I chased some Buffalo up North, which was pretty incredible. I mean, but it was tough. Like it was, that wasn't an easy hunt by no means. It was pretty tough. It was a lot of grinding, like not physically tough, just mentally like exhausting. And but yours seemed like they were like one after another too. Like there wasn't, it didn't seem like there was a big space in between your hunts. No. Well, what, well, because I had that hip, I had some hip work done on at the end of September there. Yeah. So I got that September bull. I wasn't able to go out for, uh, velvet muleys. I missed that one. Uh, I got really sick there. And then I went out with elk for elk. I got an elk. Um, and then I had that surgery and then it was basically like just looking at the calendar, like they said, you know, stay, stay off and don't do anything crazy for at least three weeks. And it was, luckily it wasn't like, it wasn't a crazy, uh, procedure that they did. So, um, yeah, I was basically just looking at that clock, man, just waiting. And then so, Nadine knew too, like I was pacing around and it was like, as soon as it, as soon as it it was it was getting close as soon as that calendar that day hit i had circled on the calendar it was like okay it's go time let's go and then yeah man i, I headed up north and then i was back for i think a day and a half two days and then quick turnaround and out to alberta and then came back and um yeah another quick turnaround two days and i was out mealy hunting and yeah luckily i mean it, it worked out good i got a i was able to punch tags in all three of those later season hunts and an early elk so yeah it's definitely been it's definitely been good but like i said i mean it's funny like i'm not satisfied with any of the hunts like when it when you first go up and walk up to an animal and you're processing it and like for the first i'd say you know 12 24 hours you're excited yeah but then i started thinking of areas where instantly i need to be better and like In where i could ways. do better stocks my process you know things like that maybe preparation um you know I, I was definitely definitely not in as good physical shape this year as i've been in the past and it's funny like people talk about being in how being in physical good physical condition doesn't help 
you in any way, honey. But I'm going to tell yeah, you, right. it does. Because if you're able to grind in day out, day out, day in after day, after day, after day, and, you know, do physically exerting stuff and not get tired physically, so you're not sore, you're mentally going to be there longer. Yeah. I can detest to that alone with how you've helped me out in this last, whatever it's been, nine months, 10 months, and getting in shape, like the hours and the days and the weeks that I have spent out in the bush pounding ground. Like I couldn't have done it the same way in years past. Yeah. Would do it, but not to the extent that I have this year. And it's all from being in good shape. Yeah, for sure, man. And yeah, and like I like I said, just because of what was going on with my hip, and then like I was in really good. I felt really good before my hip injury. I was running lots, lifting lots, shooting my bow lots. Like I felt all, like really good, and then I had that hip hip injury, and it kind of just you know went downhill from there. And I, you know, I kind of tried to push through it a few times, and it just that was probably the worst thing I I could have did for it. And then yeah, like like I said, I I definitely noticed the physical. The physical aspect of it affecting my mental, like fe- affecting me mentally. Like I still push, push through, and I was like, you know, like fuck, like you're sore and that. But like, it just affects you quicker if you're sore and if you're tired or if you're getting gassed. Like, you know, normally I don't get gassed. Like I can, I can go up a hill no problem, just give her, and I'm not getting gassed. And especially with a bow in the hand, like the last thing you want to be doing is is chasing a ridge line. And then get to the top and then be out too tired to, you know, draw your bow back and settle your pin. So that was Absolutely. one thing I noticed, but I, I, you know, I'm not, that wasn't one of the things, you know, that, that bugged me as much just because, you know, injuries are injuries. And I mean, what, what are you going to do? Right. Um, I've yeah. had injuries in the past and like with my knee and stuff that, but uh, yeah, you know, just little things like, you know, with that Buffalo instantly, like, you know, that, that was a, it was a grind. It was like, they're big animals. They're quick. They spook really easily. And, but man, are they aware of what's going on around them? And it's like, they like to, they like to cruise around and, you know, with groups and, you know, there was a lot of times where I was like, you know, I felt like I had it and I just, you know, just got careless and, you know, got in too close and then the wind switched and with your experience like just with the buffalo on on this on this buffalo hunt did you find you had bigger issues with their nose or their eyes um i would say man that's tough i would say their eyes just because there's a lot of them and like they pick on any up on any little movement right and they're they're hitting these fields that are open fields feeding in this grass and yeah it's hard to stalk into man like so the first shot where i hit that buffalo um it was at 60 i think 62 yards and my arrow only stuck in it halfway wow and i was like and i and you know i I talked to sam davis quite a bit he's been on the show and and he had a a buffalo hunt i think last year the year before he was going on one just when we had him on and so i was picking his brain about his setup and like we were shooting the omen pse omen um, you know, but the thing is I had some issues with the omen and the site at the last minute. So I ended up taking the Fortis, but the Fortis still shoots massive feet per second. 
Uh, I have, you know, basically the same. He shoots, he's got a little longer draw length, so he's getting a little bit more arrow speed. And he had a little bit heavier arrows. But still, I mean, so instantly, once that arrow hit that that critter, it just looked at me like like nothing, like a fly had hit it. Arrow stuck wow. in him, and he moves frick not even 10 yards. So then I got, I was able to sneak down, get down and then come up again at just over 40. And the second one was a pass through. And then he took off into the tree line. And then it was like, he basically just tipped over. Wow. So that's crazy. But, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun to punch tags, but yeah, I, I just, I, I'm never really satisfied. I'm always just kind of thinking about what I can do better and areas that still need to improve. There's nothing wrong with being hard on yourself. It's uh, it's part of the process because there is only one way to get better. I mean, everybody can have the shithouse luck. Like, you know what I mean? You hear people where that elk walks out on the main FSR road, right in the middle, yeah. just stands there looking at him. I mean, that hasn't happened to me, but I know people who it has. So you're not really going to learn anything from that because of the luck, but you know, those failures the success, even the successes, like you said, you know, that you, you know, maybe a tiny bit of luck did play into it. You screwed up on your stock itself and didn't maybe put yourself in the best position, but the wind shifted and helped you out or, you know what I mean? Like just something small works in your favor. Oh yeah. I definitely I know think that's... you need a little bit of, a little bit of luck in every situation, every hunt. I mean, that's, you know, there's so many things that, that can go wrong and you need so so you need much more things to go right than wrong but i mean you put yourself in enough situations enough wrong situations enough times you're going to learn right and that's the thing is like like you said you can be driving down a F fsr and uh, you know a moose or an elk or whatever steps out in front of you and you shoot it but if you want to successfully punch an elk tag or whatever 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 you whatever you're chasing mule deer bear whatever it is moose if you want to do that consistently year after year after year you're gonna to have to go through the hardships of and like you're gonna to have to go through the grind and like i remember you know we've talked about on the show a lot before and like i shot my first i was lucky enough to go with my cousin and shoot an elk my first year and then i didn't get one for four years after that and it was like it wasn't like i was just going out on the weekend you know, once or twice a season, it was like, I was damned if I was going to miss a day elk hunting, trying to get yeah. another elk. So, but yeah, like I said, you, you have to put yourself in those situations of, of failure before you're going to be able to consistently get an elk. I feel anyway, or any animal no, for that matter. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And that's why you can't come. And, and we've talked about it before too. That's why people need to stop comparing themselves to what they see on you know, social media posts and stuff like that. Like you see people who are successful time and time again, they go, oh, I can go do that. Or why can't I do that? And it's like, you don't see the other side of the story with the time commitment, the failures, you don't see the whole story, but they've gone through that process potentially. And that's why oh, yeah. they're doing what they're doing. Like it's, yeah, they've gone through it all. They've, they've yeah. had to, I mean, like I I've had to, I've had, a, I've had, a, I mean, I've, I've shot a you know a, a few elk in my day, but um, I mean I've I've struck out a hell of, like for how many days I've spent elk hunting, I, I don't have a very good success like for days 
to kills. I mean, yeah. it's not the greatest, right? But I mean, you, you know, for the last handful of years now, I've been able to go out and kill an elk every year. So uh, unless I'm passing on them, but I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of just put my time in. So, but you know, when you talk to people and they're like, well, you know, I really want to kill an elk. I really want to kill an elk. And you're, they're like, well, how many weekend, how many, what's your hunt schedule? Like how many times, what, how many times are you going out? They're like, oh, I went out last weekend and then, you know, I went out just this weekend. And, and you're like, yeah. well, um, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to put in a lot more time than that. To, you're going to have to fail. You got to have those like close encounters and then they have to blow up in your face and you have to go through it again and again and again and again. And then finally, it'll just start clicking. You'll stop doing all those things that you did that blow the stock, the call, the sequence, any of that, yeah. any of the this, this natural steps that have to fall into place for you to connect. You have to blow all those. And then they'll start falling into place. And then like every year, you're not, you know, I mean, it, it's not always true either, right? Like some situations are different than others. Every situation is unique. And what works for one bull is not necessarily going to work for the other bull. And, you know, you might something that worked on one bull, you might not get away with it on another bull. Right. But I mean, that's just the way it is. And you don't know. I mean, you got to just get out there. You got to have those encounters and yeah, you just got to, you got to give or you got to grind for sure. Yeah. No doubt. But yeah, no, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, uh, it's been good. It's uh, our freezers are definitely full with why it's two deer now and a few elk and, no doubt. Uh, a mule deer for me and a, a buffalo. But uh, yeah, like I said, I definitely like to go out and get a, a nice spring bear and then we'll see where whitetail. I'm, I'm, I'm are hoping you my... off till December or are you going to try to get out a little bit before? Well, no. So um, Ashley and I, Ashley Stuckless and I, we're going to do um, a whitetail hunt towards mid to the or- end of November ish okay. type of deal depending on what his likes or what his schedule is like with his mule deer. Um, he's going to be hunting mule deer in region three. So he's been grinding hard this year. And um, Yeah. We talk all the time and he's like, fuck man, I just can't connect. And every time we talk, you're punching a tag and I'm like, well, you got to remember too, I'm, I'm not carrying around a fucking camera either. Right. Like that adds a whole new, another element of difficulty when you're carrying around a camera. Yeah, my my hats are off to any anybody in that industry or trying to get into that industry for who can do it or who's you know going through the motions because that's tough. I can't imagine it's tough enough just carrying your bow or your rifle, yeah. let alone trying to film it. Like that's that's a whole other level, and yeah. and doing a good job filming it to boot, not just you know half assing it because yeah, yeah, that man is putting in some hours. Yeah, he's stacking up the hours this year, man. He's He's been out chasing it more than he's been home. Um, so yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely all in on, on his pursuit or like, so it's going wild, live on wild TV this year. So uh, we're going to go chase some whitetails and awesome. hopefully we connect. We'll see. I mean, uh, I've been out a few times. It's funny. Like we were talking about those, those turkeys, man, like <laughs> they're going to have to like these gra- nice grassy meadows and like this one area had like some good bucks coming into it on trail camera and like it was just a perfect natural grassy meadow and 30 yards away from a a a creek and like 
sloped all around and like there's good deer coming in i could just see it like the winter time it had and it got sun all day too not all of it but enough so we, the snow would have melted and like it would have been a perfect area but then these turkeys came in and like literally it went from nice nice greenish brownish like vegetation grass to just muck they got in there and just freaking destroyed it that's crazy yeah. yeah. Before we talked, I never imagined them. I mean, it takes a few turkeys, but I never imagined them tearing up an area like that. Yeah. Just, I don't know yeah, what they're eating. It must be this, the bulbs or something at the bottom of the grass because they weren't eating the grass, but they're picking up the ground. I wonder if it's bugs and stuff too. Or... Maybe they're tearing it up though pretty good. Like, man. Huh. But like that area, man, it's, yeah, it's got polluted with turkeys, but um, yeah, I think. It, Maybe maybe they maybe they just go in cycles too. And but I mean we've been in there for a while and we've never seen that many turkeys in there. So we just need you guys to come up, get Paul down from from the Yukon, and we'll just start putting a dent in the numbers. Start taking them out of there. We'll have to see if we can put that together. It'd be a fun time. Yeah, I didn't I didn't take one this year, and I guess I should have. I was just yeah. too busy getting trying to get. Uh, yeah, I think you have a pretty good excuse this year. They're <laughs> yeah. pretty stacked up, stacked up uh, schedule, but it is what it is. Let them grow for next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't. They're fun, and it's more fun for other people. I find I get more have more fun watching other people, like just taking them out, calling them, and doing that stuff than I do shooting them. I mean, well, I think the best thing I like about your turkeys is you go out in the afternoon. There's none of that early morning bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, That's well, I mean, we did that spring. for we did that for years. We were going out early in the morning chasing those dumb things, and then finally, you know, just get lucky and you find out, hey, man, it's actually better if you come go out in the afternoon. You don't even have to oh, get up early. Man. But it, when way. you when you when you get up early, you get like that's the high action turkey hunting that everybody wants, and you don't yeah. get that in the afternoon. You just get a tur- some turkeys randomly walking around. So okay. if you it's if you successful. want that action, yeah. But if you it's fun to go out and be like, oh, there it is, and chase them, and like you know, that's yeah. that's where everybody gets excited. Not really from just sitting in one spot, trying to stay awake, yeah, and then waiting for a bird to walk in. Oh, there's something to uh, to one that's up in a roost and just freaking gobbling away. There's no doubt about it. I just I don't know. I don't mind getting up early in the morning. Or deer, elk, moose, hop out of bed, no problem. But after a couple of years of hunting turkeys, and it might just be the amount of turkeys that we have here too. Like you can be really hard pressed to find them. They're getting a little bit better, but I just I didn't get enough action the last two years. I hunted them, and I just eventually was like, meh, whatever. I'd rather go for bear. I just stopped hunting turkeys, and I I know they're a blast. I've had some cool experiences with them, but. Maybe if our population picks up again, I'll get back into it. But until then, I guess. Yeah, I wonder if they go in just like big cycles. I don't know. Or they just like an area and then eventually they just ransack it so much and then they move on or die. I often wonder how much uh, the coyotes put a dent in them or not. I'm not saying we have a huge coyote population here, but um, I've, I've seen some stuff. You, know, you think the bobcats would do a stuff. bigger number on them then? 
I never even thought of that, but yeah, you would, especially when they're in the same area all the time. Those cats are pretty smart. Yeah, man. Like I was saying, we got in some areas, there's a ton of bobcats, enough where you can see them. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is rare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what else have you been doing? You've been shooting your bow lots? Nope. I've been trying to, like as much as I can, but it hasn't been enough. I went today, I, I came back in a little early from our moose hunt and uh, I ran down to the shop just to try to prepare for some longer shots for deer and stuff like that. Um, been shooting in my backyard a bit, but it's, it's, it's good to get the muscle memory, but it's not the same as shooting 40, 50, 60 yards. So it was nice to stretch it out a little bit today, but, uh, that's you know just what? been, sorry, keep going. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, one thing I noticed when I was hunting elk in Alberta, I can judge a sh- the yardage from like 70, even like above 70. 75 80 60 even like 50 i can just like without a rangefinder i can get really close yard like i can judge it really well yeah i am terrible at judging yardage from like four four sub 40 40 and under really yeah i'm not that great i can get sort of close some of the areas i hunt i know them so well i know which trees are about which distances because yeah. i've hunted the areas enough but yeah, I'd say, honestly, I'd say I'm kind of with you that I'd say 45 to 60, I could guess pretty close, but that I'd say 25 to 25 to 35, I'm not that great. No, and I noticed it when, because everything was, it's just different hunting there, right? Like, and I noticed like, I was like, man, I am so much better at judging these yards at like 50, 60 yards. Then I am at 40, 30 yards. And then when on the mule deer hunt, I noticed it really well because we were um we were just doing some still hunting and we had some bucks popping up. And like we had this one buck pop up, and I was like, oh man, that's that's 30 yards, right? And like you get set, like, should you shoot it? Should you shoot by that time? It's already gone, and then you go in your yard range where it was and it was like 23 and you're i'm like holy fuck man oh wow i was, I was way off i'm like <laughs> now, do you think I, that's that, a topography that, difference in what you were seeing no in i Alberta just don't think n- well no i mean out there it's all the same i just don't yeah. think i shoot enough from 40 below which is like i'm Probably like if I shoot 70 yards, I could shoot just as good. Seven, my grouping is the same at 70 as it is at 40. It's not any better yeah. at 40 than it is at 70. It's hilarious. Hmm. Well, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like but when I you're guess. in that situation, but do you think it's you'll do good any to... more practice at the shorter ranges I... then? Like even at like splitting the difference at like 30, 35 and. Well, here's the trouble is that I shoot my front yard and like, it doesn't matter where I stand. I know exactly what the yardage is because it's, you know what I mean? I can tell like yeah. it's, it's 70, 60. I mean, not to mention there's a bow hanger at 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20. So, <laughs> yeah, well, there is so it's like, but it's different when you're in trees and it's a little, you know what I mean? And like elevation plays into that as well. So I think I definitely need to work on is like, 
guessing ranges and stuff like that just for the quick scenario where like you got to pull up and like with the spot hog you got the 20 30 40 yeah right and so like mm-hmm. just play with those so you don't need to range you can just pick it up and be like okay this is where it's going to be you know roughly i mean if it's 23 yards and you guess 20 man it's dead like that animal's dead yeah. right you're not shooting that target so i mean you shoot you just you got long you got heart you know, there's a lot of vitals that you can hit. The, the range is good enough. But I mean, yeah. like I said, if I'm guessing 30 and it's 23 or it's 25 and I'm guessing fucking 40 or whatever, right? Like that's, yeah. it's that's just not, not good. good. No, exactly. So I definitely <laughs> need to, I definitely need to practice that. I need to, I need to uh, work on that for sure. I don't know. I don't know what the best way to do that. I mean, it just sucks because you can shoot. I can just shoot in my front yard and it's just so convenient that. Well, I think that's the hardest thing. And I think that's where it changes. Like, cause I shoot in my backyard. Um, I can't shoot far, so it doesn't even come into play. But when I go, if you've got two places, obviously um, I got my one place that I can stretch it out a bit. And then I've also got uh, at the shooting range and that. And I do find the backdrops throws me off a bit. Um, and I think it comes down to, you know, if you, if you take the distances that are posted away, it's the trees, it's, it's everything else around it versus when I'm at my other spot, there's certain buildings or certain sand piles or whatever. And like, well, I already know it's kind of like what you're saying. It's these distances are within a couple, couple yards or whatever. So I'm wondering if you need to just, is, is there any options just to go practice with different backdrop just to kind of try it or oh yeah i mean you can go like i'll i can go to the range to the corner uh gun club i guess and and practice that way but i mean like i said it's just and and that's the only way you're going to get it like there's a 3d there's the thing the best thing to do would be just to get out in the bush and practice that way throw some target like yeah grab a target throw it turn around walk and guess what it is and just I guess shoot. one of those and eventually yeah. you're gonna and just shoot and either you're gonna hit the target or you're gonna be looking for your arrow or buy a new arrow arrow that would be a good way to do it even just close your eyes like pick a pick a different direction don't just shoot straight on either no no change up the angles and everything and that'll yeah, throw you, you off too you have to do it in a hunting scenario so you're gonna have to go uphill downhill yeah um, and, it, and it's like when you're, when you're sitting in a stand, like when, when you're, um, like for whitetail hunting or, or sitting in a stand or blind, you're picking ranges on trees and stuff, right? So you're getting a lot of time to range, yeah. but when you're still hunting compared to ambush hunting, you're moving a lot and it's the topography, the backdrop your surroundings are constantly changing and like, especially like mule deer hunting and like that area that we hunt mule deer is that there's a lot of sagebrush. And I mean, like those mule deer, they blend in so well with their background, with their backdrop. And like, if you get some good, like you get some wind blowing in your face and you're walking through the bush, you can literally almost step on those deer. Cause they can't, you know, your everything's your scent is hidden. Your sound is hidden. So that that is where I noticed it. I mean, besides 
you know, I did know that's where I really started to notice it was when I was hunting elk in Alberta. And then I, again, it was just like, I verified it this year hunting mule deer. So. Yeah. I mean, the mule deer I shot was 51 yards. I had, I had, I had, uh, I had lots of time with him. Right. And like he was laying down and you could spot his antlers. Were you guys able to run into uh, like quite a few, or like did you have some? Yeah, we've seen lots. That's good. We've seen lots. We've seen one crazy sucker with three antlers. What? Yeah, it had three antlers. It was insane. That's cool. Yeah, but we've seen lots and uh, lots of lots of does, a lot of does, and uh, and some bucks. Yeah, some bucks were just they were just sizing each other up um so i think you know it was just a little too early for the rut but um I, that's kind of the time i like to go because that's when you i i find like right before the rut we might have been a little bit early um but um you know you you, you you time it perfectly right before the rut when the does first start throwing that scent out and those bucks really start to move you can really you know you can really get a lot of action that way with some some big bucks, but man, I, I don't think, you know, one thing hunting with a bow and like, um, Steve and I were talking about this, you, you weren't able to make it. Um, you have to like, you, you got to play a different hunting game when you're hunting with a bow than a rifle. Like you're not going into the high Alpine glass and, you know, looking in those little small pockets closing in on closing into two, 300 yards of a mule deer and shooting it. Everything's a lot closer, right? So you're not getting in as deep and as thick to where those mule deer, those bigger, big, like high quality mule deer are like, I mean, I still got a, you know, great buck. Um, I'm definitely happy with it. Um, he's got, he's really even really nice and like pretty decent sized brow tines on that sucker. So on uh, he's wide, like, totally happy with that guy but um yeah you just don't get when you're when you're playing the game of like you know hunting the the valley bottoms and like the mid valley stuff to more to where it's more conducive to bow hunting you're not yeah. getting like those high caliber bucks and i think you know it's funny we we kind of watched the does some days and like early on there was a lot of does in like these open fields and like even down in the farmers fields and stuff there's a lot of does and maybe a couple smaller bucks. But then as it start as the week started to progress, you notice less does in there. So like that's one thing we were wondering like are the does instead of the bucks coming to the does, are the does actually going into that thicker stuff, maybe meeting the bucks halfway? You know, are they checking out the scrapes and stuff cuz we we were coming across a ton of scrapes in there. That's an so, interesting one. I've never even thought of that. Yeah, like are the does coming in Cause that, that's kind of what we almost figure. We're like, you know what, man, I, I bet you that these does aren't sitting here waiting when they're ready. They're kind of moving into, you know, to, into a breeding situation or habitat. That's a little more thick, um, where the big bucks are, you know, where there's a lot more buck activity going on. Cause you get into that, the thicker stuff and like the deep and you get up a little higher even you start to notice a lot of rubs and a lot more buck activity. Yeah. So we were kind of thinking maybe, you know, maybe those does are pushing up 
when they're ready to breed instead of the big bucks coming down or maybe they're meeting halfway or something like that, eh? Because we noticed that it, it was is definitely more bucks or sorry, more door, more the can't even talk, more does. And then as it progressed more into the rut, like getting closer to the rut, or maybe even, yeah. you know, like the pre-rut into the early stages of the rut, there was less does. Still not seeing like the bigger the bigger bucks down low. We had to push into, we had to push up into them to get to like the, where the bucks I shot and where my buddy shot one. So I know they got uh rumor has it. Um, they're contemplating some reg changes, you know, just, just seeing if anything can be tried um, for more hunter opportunity and stuff like that. And potentially uh, adding a late season bow hunt for, uh, for mule deer. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to it just yet, but they are talking about it. So our season ends for mule deer November 10th and historically if you were to go, you know, the first to the 10th, yeah, there's a lot of transitioning bucks. Like you say, they're moving around. They're kind of checking things out, seeing what's in the area. But the 10th to the 15th, you talk to anybody who hunted back in, you know, in 10, 15 years ago, whenever they used to be able to hunt in that week. And that's when all the big boys would finally start showing up. It's just, just that week later. So yes. It, It'll be interesting to see the difference if that comes to fruition. You know, we are able to hunt that week again um, with archery and kind of putting that together. Like if you are watching the does, maybe you are able to watch where they're going and actually see when those big, big bucks come down and how far down they're coming. Yeah, for sure. Um, we used to have a late season mule deer uh archery season here and it was from december 1st to december 10th but then for some strange reason they they seen the mule deer numbers dropping so they decided to get rid of the archery hunt which probably maybe less than five percent of mule deers are archery hunting actually hunted it yeah so that was an interesting one i don't know why they know what the reason now, was that there. just in your your area or is that yeah. pretty pretty much no, all that over was, bc that was region eight region so eight oh, okay. here um for you guys i'm not sure but yeah, i don't remember uh, i mean it'd be nice like to that. see well so you mentioned one thing there um you know what i'd like to get i i mean uh i was gonna say jesse zeman back on the show again but I mean, that's probably not going to happen seeing as uh, what happened to him with the fires and him losing his house. So, um, but I'd like to talk about one day, talk about how BC manages its wildlife, where the BC Wildlife Federation is all about um, opportunity over quality. Because like, that seems to be what they're pushing. And like you talk to other people and they they feel the same thing where it's like opportunity is important, just opportunity, 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 rather than quality. And then you get into like how a lot of fish and game organize or fish and game management agencies manage their deer 
their elk, their moose, everything like down in the States where it's more quality versus opportunity, you get less opportunity, but there's better quality. Probably in the same hand, probably higher chances with running into them with higher populations because with higher quality, you're probably having to have more animals out there. Oh, for sure. Over time, you are guaranteed you're going to. And, you know, the um, I got to write this down here because I, I want to talk about it more, but I don't want to get off this subject because yeah. it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I would rather see personally, I would rather see, I think, quality over opportunity. And I'm not talking about like opportunity for like youth. Like I think the, the way it's set up where you used to get these little extra stuff, it's, it's awesome. And I know in a lot of places it's like, it's youth and seniors also get it too. Once you get to a certain age, you have a, a opportunity on extended draws or early draws or less antler restrictions, just, you know, so you're not pushing the back country so much. But I mean, just like with, I just like, it would just be nice to see, like you see those, like look at the places like Idaho and like why, and, you know, places that are like right there but they just like they they don't have they don't have more people they don't have more hunters in BC they just have better management of their wildlife and you look at like the quality of bulls that they're pulling out of there and you look at like these bulls like people are getting you know a lot of good bulls and in on public land where there's less public land too in some of these states right so yeah. substantially less compared to like British Columbia. So like, that's the thing is like, would, would it be better for, for opportunity? Like, would you rather, would you rather not as long of a season to hunt elk, but over time your opportunities could go up because there'd be maybe, maybe better, maybe more elk. Do you know what I'm saying? Like instead of rifle yeah. hunting him through the rut, instead of instead of hunting, you know, whitetails for three months with a rifle, which is insane. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do you know what I'm getting at? Like, yeah, absolutely. If you give them a bit of a chance to actually get away from, you know, one more pressure for a period see, of time. Yeah, and right now. Helps right now the regulations are designed for opportunity yeah they make it so you have tons of opportunity and like man hunting bc is hard and like trust me hunting bc for elk in bc compared to alberta it's hard hunting bc right we know that like guys who hunt bc and who live in alberta and vice versa they they can attest to it like um but still i mean the way it's managed in Alberta, like with their mule deer, right? Like mule deer, it's archery only for all season. And then they have like a two-week season. I think it's I, beginning I in November, I, I, isn't it? Yeah, and I think a lot of that, man, I, I can't remember exactly, but some of it is draw units only and some of it is rifle units only. So, But they have a lot more situations or seasons like that. And I mean like, yes, there's more farmland there and, and stuff like that, but there's a lot of farmland here. There's a lot of big country, high alpine, which mule deer naturally love. They naturally gravitate to that stuff. But 
you know, with, especially with like a four point restriction. And that gets back to, to an interesting conversation a guy and I were having about how we count points. Oh, yes. Would this, would this change our hunting opportunity uh, if we change how we count points? So right now you have to have four, just say mule deer, for instance. You have to have four points on one side for it to be legal. And a lot of bucks that get shot are four by twos, right? Small fours, two on the other side. That's, man, I bet you if you took a survey or counted all, majority of them would be like that. And in our area here, it's four by threes. Yeah. And there's one dominant side for the three. It's a genetic thing. Yes. Okay. Now listen to this. What if instead of saying four points on one side, we said six points total? So now you're getting, now you're able to shoot those big, massive three by threes that never become more than a three by. I mean, eventually later on, they might get a sticker here or there if they make it that long. But now you're able to shoot those big three by threes because it's combined points over per side points. Yeah. You know, I think that if you were to do something like that, I think that they would also have to change the way that you count points. It sounds, I don't know if it's everywhere, but whitetail, you count brow tines as a point. Mule deer, you do not. Yeah. Now talking to a couple of my buddies who happen to be very experienced CEOs, you would be shocked, shocked at how many people argue that their three-point mule deer is a four-point because they count the brow time as a point. They don't read the regs. They just count it like a whitetail. So I think if you were going to do something, I, I kind of like your theory there. I, I really like that. But I think well, it was just a conversation. Like it was actually a conversation that somebody brought up to me, and I was like, man, you know what? I never I like thought it. about it before. But... um it was definitely like as we as we got into this conversation and you start thinking about it, you're like, you know what? I mean, like, there is a lot of big threes that could be harvested. There's a lot of big genetically huge threes throwing that genetic out there. And there would also be a lot less three by threes left in the ditch because guys yes. made a mistake. They just seen a big bodied mule deer looking at them and mule deer always look bigger when they're looking at you and you know sometimes even when they turn because of their size you see four points but it's actually a point from the opposite side of their head which makes it appear to be a four i mean you know what accidents happen but there's a lot of three by threes that get shot and so they would do, do away with that Stan, the old hunting partner I have who's in our moose draw and everything, actually was just telling me today about uh, a giant three that he just saw the other day at four or five does. And when he first laid eyes on it in the field that it was in, he's like, that's got to be a four. He's experienced, so he doesn't just pull out his gun and shoot. Yeah. But he's like, it was so big. He's like, it has to be a four point. Turned its head, he's got the binos up, and it was just a massive, massive three point. Yeah. Probably never been a four point. He's like it, it it was huge. It was very, very, very mature. Um, 
yeah, definitely the king of the castle in that area at the moment anyway. And it's just like, yeah, can't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. But like you say, it would it would be an interesting one to to be able to harvest. Food on the table, you start getting those three points out of there potentially. Some of the genetic ones. That'll never be fours, but yeah. So I'm gonna read you something here. To be counted as a point, the projection must be at least one inch long with the length exceeding width one inch or more of length. That's for mule deer. Yeah. Now this isn't mule deer, British Columbia. It says when you look up score our counting mule deer points, it says here in BC we only count one side, and brow tines should not be count not be. It said you, know, you should already know we don't count brow tines on mealies, only white tails. Now to me it seems like a silly rule because if you want four points the way that we count them now, well why not just say a five point? And count them yeah. all the same. There's no confusion. If it's a mule deer, it has to be five points, including the brow tine on one side. This yeah, and you see, the- you see all these scoring, all the rules on scoring deer, and it says to all of them, to be counted as a point, the projection must be at least one inch long with a length exceeding the width. And you go on SCI, B and C, like all these ones, right? You just click on so they're sc- So they're scoring the brow tine. Yeah. Yeah, so to me... Well, scoring they're the scoring it as long as it's a point, right? Like the point, yes. it has to just classify under... It could be anything to be counted as yeah. a point. It could be a sticker or anything, right? They're not specifically saying brow tines. They're just saying any point on that antler that exceeds whatever it was yeah. I just read, it's counted as a tine. So why in BC? Because this is a lot of people's argument. They're like, well, not all mule deer have brow tines. That's correct. Okay. Not all mule deer, mule deer, not all deer are four points. It is what it is. A point is a point, right? Like, yeah. I just think for the ease of, you know, people in general, why, like, I don't really care either way, to be honest. You count a four point, I just don't count brow tines, but why not count a brow time? Yeah. Just make it five point. If that's the size class, each class that you're gunning for, just add the point into the regs. I want a five point now. Does that one behind you have brow tines? Little ones. Just little wee like, ones. What's that? Just little wee ones. Yeah, but like I'm just looking across at this other mule deer here that I shot. I'll send you a picture of it just so you can get like this brow tines on that one are massive, right? And like I, I yeah. get where people are like. Not all mule deer have brow tines, if that's if that's your reasoning for it. But the thing is, you can't say you can't say that because it's still a point. If it exceeds, if it's defined, is that if the definition of it is a point, then it's a point. You can't just say, oh, it's not a point because it's actually a brow tine. That makes no like to me. You just can't say that. Yeah, those are big brows. Oh, that, that's what you're doing there. You're on your phone. I was yeah. like, what do you, you... Yeah, because it's filming me right now. So I got to just kind of scroll, scroll down and see the text that you sent. I got you. You're poking yeah. me there. Um, yeah, but yeah, so you. that was, yeah, it was t- definitely an inf- interesting conversation we had. And it was like, yeah, man. And like, 
it kind of makes sense when you start if you start breaking it down and putting it in certain ways yeah like instead of doing four on a side let's do six in total, six total. and then yeah like i guess point's a point yeah it doesn't matter where it is on the antler a point is a point now and that's an interesting thing too what happens if what happens if he's just got a little bit of freakish antler growth and it's up four inches on his main beam. I mean, antlers grow in all shapes, sizes, direction, right? Well, we especially see if they get three damaged, yeah, especially early season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be a, that would be an interesting one, especially, I mean, I'm getting away from BC here, but look at all the non-typicals that you see in Alberta and stuff like that. Yeah. Me, well, just the quality of deer, the quality yeah. of deer is better. And like, it, it's like that in a lot of states and a lot of states, I mean, here in BC, there's so many deer, so many does getting hit on the road. I don't think you really need, you don't really need to manage does just because there's like vehicle collisions are so high in BC. And I would, it would be safe to assume that most of those mule deer getting hit on the road are does. Because, like, I swear 90% or better of the ones I see laying on the side of the road are all female. Yeah, the only ones that I ever, for the most part, like, on average, that I see down here that are bucks um, for mule deer aren't until the rut is on. When they come down low into the valley bottoms, like, when they start getting pushed out. That you don't, that aren't those. That aren't. The ones, when bucks get hit, it's usually later in the season when the rut's on and they come down. The rest of the season, I find it's, yeah, I agree with you. Mostly does, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's the brow time thing is definitely interesting. And I'm looking like, look at this white tail behind me. Yeah. That mule deer I just sent you a picture of, it's got bigger brow tines than this white tail. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think that, I think if, if it falls under the classification of what, you know, all the other, know what all this like this people who are scoring these things and what they use judge for antlers it should be a it should be a point yeah i think so too yeah interesting yeah good conversation mm-hmm. um yeah man that's about it i don't i don't know fall bear i guess for the rest of the month we're actually going out for a long weekend we're going to try to get wyatt a moose Oh no, kidding! Yeah, awesome. It has to be a uh, immature spike fork. Still, that'll be a nice little adventure. Yeah, I'm gonna look for a black bear. So I'm actually setting up. I'm actually today. I was just changing up my arrow setup. So I'm gonna go with a heavier arrow, and you know, I'm gonna have to apologize to the people who listen to this show. Because I totally flat out lied to them about, I said I was never going to use a mechanical broadhead again. Liar. Yeah. (laughs) What did, uh, is that what you used on one of your deer? Dude, I've been using that all year. Really? That's what you used on the buffalo too? Yep. Those Grim Reapers. Yeah. The same one that failed last fall, last december 
when I shot that whitetail, it didn't open. Okay, now we had this it's discussion on those shit. same. We had the same discussion on this stuff, though. Yeah. And we all kind of concluded that for the most part, early season, you could probably trust them mm-hmm. because yours froze last year because the conditions yeah. that we hunt with in, you know, end of November, December. Now, yes, you've killed a lot of shit with it. Are you going to trust that going into the same conditions as last year? Are you going to go to a fixed for the end of season? That's what, so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm changing my setup. So I'm going to be running a heavier four bladed fixed. Which, which four blade are you going to run? The wasp sharpshooter. Okay. Yeah. Now there is only, the only reason I had switched to those is because I had an issue with my omen and I had to use my Matthews bow, which had, which had, um, those arrows already set up. There was the site was already calibrated to it. And at the last minute I had to take that bow on a bear hunt. And I just kind of just rolled with them all year. They just, you know, it's kind of the same thing. If something's working, I hate changing something that's working. So when I went back to the omen, I just kept the exact same arrows. I didn't change anything. I didn't refletch them. They were flying good. Like I was t- driving tax with them. And I just didn't want to change them because when shit's running good, I hate changing it. Yeah. And like shit's flying really good right now. Like really good. Like so, I was out shooting my bows. Um, so right now, like I got the omen and the Fortis, I'm running two. And like they're both they're both shooting good the setups right and i have the same arrow set up for both bows exact same arrow but now i'm going to run the omen i'm going to set it up so it's going to be running a heavier arrow heavier up front with the four blade fixed just because i don't want to go through what i went through last year yeah i think that's a good good way to go and i mean that that is the main thing that we came up with it was the conditions that we hunt with like it just you get freezing rain, you get snow, you get ice condensation. And we're hunting in minus 18, minus 20 and below. Yeah, it was minus 25 like, that day. Yeah, shit's going to When I went in there, it was minus 25, which is at like 2 o'clock. And, you know, when you're going through that stuff and you're getting through the bush, snow is falling off the trees, it's getting in your quiver, it's getting all over the place, right? And, yeah, that it's just unfortunate turn of events. That's good. Lost that sucker, so... But yeah, so I'm going to be, so that's what I've been doing with it. But like, like I said, it's just really hard when something is like, man, I I probably had three inch grouping with the Omen at 70 yards, 67 yards. That's unreal. Yeah. With your broadheads. Well, I'm running those mechanicals with the field tips, right? You don't have to change. And it's really hard to say, you know what? We're going to switch it all up here. Yeah, because I tell you, I threw, I I switched up the arrow to get it ready for that fixed blade, and it wasn't in three inch groups. No, at <laughs> at sixty <laughs> yards, when I had to redo my tape, it wasn't hitting three inch on the line, up or down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just there was, yeah. When I put my four blade on too, I had to do some adjusting with my sight. I mean, it was grouping all right. 
but they definitely they weren't they weren't flying like my field points. But I no. I did I personally didn't care as long as they group good. I'll just adjust my sight. But it would be nice if you can dance between a 3D shoot and go for spring bear and then back to a 3D shoot and then or whatever animals you're going after and you don't have to change anything. Yeah, and you know that's, that's why optimal. well last year so like I started shooting that omen in early season like earlier this year and um I had that V3X from last year but now I'm shooting the PSC omen and I got the P I got that Fortis 33 and they're both like they're both deadly so awesome. it's nice to have definitely nice to have two bows you're confident with that you know are and they're both set up so like they're both set up they both have spot hogs on them they both have exact same quiver set or um stabilizer setups the omen has the um prophecy rest from AAE Arizona archery and i have the QAD on the on the um Fortis now i'm going to say that that QAD doesn't hold a candle to that AAE. Really? Yeah. But you know, it's a difference. Huge difference. That prophecy is probably the best rest I've ever used. Really? Yeah. It is just, it's, it's just flawless. I've never, ever had an issue with that rest ever. And the QADs are good, but they're not as reliable as, and I've shot thousands of arrows through that thing. And I haven't touched that rest since I set it up. And I'm and like, you look at, if you looked at that PSC Omen I'm shooting, I have, you would never guess that I've had that bow for, well, I got it in mid-February. And we're here almost in mid-November. So what is that, 10 months? You would never guess that that bow is only 10 months old by looking at it. It looks like it's 12 years old. Or sorry, 10 months old. It looks like it's 10 years old. Yeah. It's gone but that's how all my bows look. They're just like, I just, they get shit kicked, right? Yeah. No, but, I hear you there. Well, it'll be interesting. We'll have to do some tech talk on, uh, on rest later on in the winter and stuff and break some stuff down. Yeah. Have you, have you seen the new, uh, uh, what Botech did with their new line coming out? No, for some of theirs. No, oh, I, I seen uh, Kyle. Kyle posted. Yeah, that's one of he them. He posted there. a few things on on what they got going on. But you know, this time of year, I, I imagine that everybody's going to have a lot of stuff coming out. So I don't yeah. like Matt. Like PSC. I just like the adjustability. Like I don't care that it's Botech. I don't care that it. I I like the fact how much with. What is it called? Their deadlock system or whatever it is. That deadlock system is the best system yeah. ever. And now you can adjust the time. I think they added it. Uh, you can adjust the timing now as well without a bow press. So you can really, really, really tinker. There's an extra feature on there that they put on this year. Have to, uh, I'll have to hit up Kyle or whatever, find out exactly the difference between last year's and this year's. Yeah. I mean, if you, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, quickly wrapping through my head I, I guess the only thing you'd have to have an adjustable you'd have to have an adjustable 
anchor on your cam so you can move it up and down right so you can adjust because that's how you to adjust your timing you put it in a press flip it off your cam and you put twist in your string and then hook it back on the cam so it'd have to be an adjustable head on there like so it'd move it but that deadlock system i mean we had i had a friend of a friend come over and he was having trouble with his bow so he brought it over and man we i I set it up for him i readjusted his rest was way off like way off He, he was trying to paper tune and he started messing with his rest right and his like his rest was way too far out so i brought it back 13 16 centered it we recentered his sight and then i had him shooting on paper and he was getting tears and i just put his bow in the vise couple allen keys shot not quite did it again shot perfect yeah. the best system i've ever seen in my life I wish I had it on my bow because I don't have a bow press and I love to tinker. And, and I, I have two bow I have it. two bow presses and I love that system because I don't have to put it in the press. I remember yeah. back in the day when you wanted to do anything, you had to like pull all the strings and cables off, pop the axles out, hope to God any of the shims, because there's 30 of them because they're tiny, didn't fall down. Now at least, like even on the PS PSE, like that Fortis has got those snap. You could just snap the shim. They have two different size shims on each side, so you can swap them out on each side. I mean, it's not a lot, but still, I mean, it makes it makes it easy. They just pop out, pop in. The only thing I don't like about that is when something pops out and pops in, it can pop out on you. Yes. So, like, I have yeah. there's parts on my PSE that pop in, pop like just the rubber. On the string stop, there's a little rubber tiny gasket that goes on there, and the top cam is missing it, right? So now the top cam is going to hit the string a 32nd of an inch before the bottom. Well, no, sorry. The top one's missing it, but the bottom one hits first. But the thing is, I always have my bows timed, so the top cam hits a little bit first. So now they probably hit about the same. I'm not super worried about that. But still, little things like that, right? And like. Like I said, if you looked at my bow, you'd be like, how fucking long have you had this bow? Like, it looks beat to shit. Mine's getting pretty scratched up and everything, too. <laughs> well, they do, they do, right? And, yeah. and like, I don't care what they look like as long as they function 100%. It's all yeah. I care Yeah, I mean, minus all the rust all over mine. I don't know, like, I don't know what kind of, like, that spot hog every single screw on that spot hog is rusted to shit i don't know about yours they've come with well yeah it's starting to rust too we figure they'd come with stainless steel freaking or just something that's going out yeah anything that's going outside into the elements is going to rust so give us we spent enough money on the site or whatever other yeah that's a 500 500 site and i mean the same with dollar fucking bolt with it (laughs) we need to get greg back on and just say hey man can't these like he doesn't he he's with psc or he was anyway but i mean we need to get some of these i know like even my bow like every single screw on my bow is rusted to shit yeah and like you know the aluminum stuff is awesome but you know like the like the limb bolt rusted right 
Yeah. Every other bowl down there, you could just name one and it's rusted. And then like, then you go on the site rusted and like that prophecy, the rest doesn't, it's, it's money. There's no rust on it. Same with the stabilizers. Those are stainless. They got stainless on them. So they're good, but that's good. still it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, $1,600 for a bow, you figure you can, okay, man. You know what? You want to charge more me $1,602? I'll pay that two bucks for that stainless steel bolt. Just or even some thicker powder coating on your screws or something. Or, but, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. But, uh, all right. Well, I don't know. You want to uh, call, her a, call her a show? Call her a show, and hopefully tomorrow I'll be sending you a picture of my mule deer. And I'd rather see you happens. sending me a picture of a moose than a mule deer. But I'm going to start with my mule deer in the morning, and then I'm going to go get my moose. Yeah, don't give, don't put on your moose yet. And like, I oh. was second to last day. Oh, and yeah. It was just and one I of still... those moony mornings where it was like, you can't even talk. I, fuck, I can't even talk. I mean, like, it was just the morning was perfect, right? Like. It was just crystal clear. It was cold. It was sunny. And it was just like, I went out and it was just like one of those mornings where it was just like, ah, it was just like, and sure enough, like right away, started seeing moose, started seeing moose, went after one moose, bumped it, lost it, turn around. There's another moose. Shoot that one. Oh, I was, I was at a whole nother level when I cut those tracks today and found that area today that was right in front of us, but you got to walk right into them. So yeah, most definitely I'm not giving up on it. I just want to make sure I get some fun hunting in between as well. Yeah. So next Friday's last day of mule deer, and I still have Saturday, Sunday, Monday as well. Um, and I'm hoping for some fresh snow. If we if a system comes in within this week and it's gonna dump snow, I'm going out moose hunting. I'll give up on the mule deer because that's what I'm that's what I'm looking for, is that fresh, fresh snow. Yeah. So. You know what? I have something else I want to talk to you about, but I'm not going to bring it up now because um, it's late and I'm tired enough as it is. I can barely, barely talk here. <laughs> so uh, we'll save it for another show, but I'm going to sounds good. Gonna shut this one down, buddy. Good luck tomorrow. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Okay, man. Later. All right. You betcha. I'm Will Cooper and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.